You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. Somewhere oh, in- yeah. inside of you yes. is a drummer just waiting to come out. Really? Yeah, I think there's like a drummer trapped inside you somewhere. Yeah. With the pins. Oh, you're the best man. Uh. Paradiddle Cam, that's all I wanted to be called. <laughs> I was oh. hoping somebody called me, hey, Paradiddle, what's going on? <laughs> You were a drummer, though, aren't you? I am a drummer. My, I am a drummer. My, my rock and roll band's got a gig coming up at the Tote. Really? Yeah. Oh, come on, give it a plug. Uh, I think it's uh, June 14. Really? We're playing some loud music. So we've often said in my band... What, the loudest bat note. Yes, now what we lack in musicianship, we make for up for in volume. Yes, and the so, name of this band is? Stork. 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 Uh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Welcome to the... Uh, this isn't the uh, drummer's workshop show. No, well, that's a good idea for Sunday lunch. I might pitch. Um, really, drum solos. Let's just get some. No, I was just, just just one hour of drum solos. Let's just get some drummers together to talk drumming things and uh, see if we can get sixty minutes of content. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> how do you hit them, Barry? Yeah, I hit them like anyway. I hit them like this. What symbol do you like? Oh, I, anyway, stop it. <laughs> Welcome to the food show uh, yes. here on 3 Bar. Thank you to the scientists that always... As always. Their eruditions yes. light the way to our craniums. Yes. <laughs> My cranium is a light thanks to them. Yes. No, but seriously, they're mm. good, aren't they? Are they good? Yes. Valid. Very good, very good. Yeah. And um, we are looking forward to the afternoon here at 3 FM. We were just saying the last show of autumn, the changing of the seasons here in Melbourne town. Mm. Winter is coming. Have you had a mushroom risotto yet? Uh, no, I haven't. I really should because mm. I, I actually I don't do a bad mushroom risotto. If I, if you don't mind, there you go. I can just tell. Uh, Porcini por- por- is my little um, little that's, secret. Yeah, because that's how you get it's like little concentrated mushroom flavour. It can indeed. And you get the you get the water and you put it in there. A, a little bit of that. Yeah. Lots of cheese. Oh yeah. And butter. Oh yeah. yeah. And a nice um. And I think the thing you must have with mm. a risotto or something like that is just a really really nice. Very, very simple yes. salad next to it yes, that, has, yes. that has a dressing that is a little bit more acidic than you might normally make it. Yes. To cut through all that fat. I would agree. And a good hunk of bread is a good idea as well. Oh, hey, it's good. Mm. I know what I'm doing after the show. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it sounds good. On today's show, it, yes. is, um, it is mushroom time. There's still those little uh, guys just jumping out of the ground. And um, I'd like to speak to someone who's been leading people not astray. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, you never know, maybe. Well, maybe. Maybe he has. Maybe he has. Mm-hmm. Cam Russell, you've heard him um, advertising on this show um, mm-hmm. about these uh, mushroom tours, which he's been doing for, let's face it, a few footy seasons now. Yes. Um, and we might just have a quick chat to him about that. And then, mad about town. Mm-hmm. Gourmand. Sometimes flying above town. Sometimes in a bloody in a, helicopter, too. In a rotary winged aircraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's face it, folks. He's a man whose life, uh, whose uh, life that he leads, we can only dream of. Yes. Really, really. Michael Harton, um, writer for Gourmet Traveller. Yes. Um, fabulous author of um, such books as um, his tome on Ligon Street. Writes very well. We should, I mean, we often uh, tease, oh, we, we often tease him for uh, the, <laughs> the helicopter travel, but an excellent writer of words, Michael Harden. He does it well. So mm. um, he's recently been, well, he's been everywhere and he's been talking about uh, a renaissance in Adelaide for a start. Which Adelaide's was, good. 
I, they, I, I'll nail oh. my uh, my colours to that mast. Yeah, you know, you sort of we always What's so good about we it? sort of tease Adelaide. High floaters? I don't think so. No, true. But we sort of tease Adelaide, like you know, that the younger sibling in the family, and you sort of push them around a bit. But um, it's good. There's some good restaurants, good bars, um, and obviously you're, you're bang in the middle of some of the best wine country in the world. Mm. Um, yeah, mm. no, I, I dig it. Go to Adelaide, peeps. Oh, okay. Mm. Well, anyway, then, yeah. then come back. Don't live there. That, oh, <laughs> just, yeah. That'd just be silly. Just saying. Uh, anyway, Michael's been been everywhere, folks, and yes. you might talk about some of the places he's been. Yes. Um, always good fun to have a chat to. Um, then we're going to talk to a man who's brought in a little bit of swag, a bit of an interesting mm. thing. Um, we've got martini glasses. Yes. Um, Ominous. Well, and a little bit out of character, I would say, for this person that yes. you know, we've been speaking to. His name is Justin Metcalf. Yes. Um, international coffee man of mystery. Yes, he was a judge on the uh, World Barista Championships for many years. Many years. And, mm. also, and has also mentored, quite seriously, mentored mm. many, um, uh, a man of, of bloody hell, great integrity, yes. I've, I've got to say. but. He's uh, he's gone to the dark side by the looks of it, hasn't he? Oh, he's, he's putting booze in there. Now. He's putting booze in there. Uh, so I think he's worked out a way to package an espresso martini. So uh, we might have a bit of a chat to him about that. And I'm going to cough. Excuse me. <coughs> um, one thing mm. that I wanted to talk to him about was: is it possible to um, to make a good cup of coffee at home without spending thousands of dollars on yes, machinery on, and stainless steel and yes. plumbing and three-phase power. Because there's a few options. You've got your, you've got your pour-overs. You've got the, the Aeropress. Have you seen them? Those I've seen things? the Aeropress. So, yeah, there's quite a few options out there, but are any of them any good? That's a good question to ask. We will find out. Yes. So, in the meantime, mm. um, what have we got? I'm looking around uh, to see what's been happening, well, in the world of food as we know it. Yes. 1897, mm. momentous day for wobbly desserts everywhere. How so, Cameron? Jello was introduced. Jello, Jello, um, or as we say, jelly. Oh, jelly. Yeah. yeah. Well, Jello was the proprietorial name yes, for it. The brand uh, Jello, uh, which was incredibly modern for in those days, to it, add it, an O to things. Yeah, right. Wow, that's a that's a modern thing. I, I was even thinking just the concept of jelly itself would have been quite. A different thing. I mean, you know, you wouldn't have been used to having this weird plasticky sort of thing on your plate back in 1897. It was a sensation. Mm. It was an absolute sensation. I wasn't there. No. Just so you know, I'm not sort of like this was an eyewitness account. Yes. Uh, but but no, when you think about it, it was transparent. It let light through. It was like stained glass almost yes. of, of, of desserts. And it just sat there and um, you could eat it. And, and you could eat it and you could mould it. Yeah, you know you could do all sorts of things, but um, look, whatever you do, just don't feed it to vegetarians because um, of its dark secret. Of course, yes. where you know that collagen comes from to set it. Yes. Anyway, I don't want to go further because it might freak people out. Um, what else has happened? There was something else. Uh, oh, 1999. Mm. Yes. Here's uh, a. a Bit of a bit of a long link type thing. Mm. Mm, um, after 22 years of controversial restoration, mm. Leonardo da Vinci's masterpiece, The Last Supper, mm. is returned to public display. Right. Strange sort of a dinner when you think about it. Yes. Uh, hi there. We've come in. We're looking for a table. Yeah, yeah, we've got one table. There's... Yeah, that one over there, but everybody has to sit on one side. Like, what do you mean? It's like the old joke, I need a table for 24. Yeah. With 12 seats, please. With 12 seats, yeah. <laughs> huh? Uh, I don't know what that was all about. But uh, anyway, it was restored, um, and they did a good job with it too. 
you are listening to 3 Triple RFM. Yes. We're going to have a chat to Cameron Russell. Yes. Who's um, doing mushroom tours as we speak. And uh, I'm looking forward to do that. Why don't you join us? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, with the mirror, absolute miracle of uh, modern technology, we are able to go across Victoria, and we found um, the Premier, one of the, the great uh, fungi experts uh, around the joint, Cam Russell, a delight to speak with you. How you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you, Ken. But I, I don't know about an expert. I think I'm an enthusiastic amateur that's standing on the shoulders of giants. Oh, wow, that's good. Listen, dude, I mean, how many years have you been doing this for now? Oh, uh, 23 this year. Yeah, come on. You take a, There's a little <laughs> bit of expert uh, status there. And, um, look, we've been appreciating what you've been doing. And, uh, first of all, how has this mushroom season been? Um... I, well, to be honest, uh, you know, the season starts on Anzac Day and I was sort of, and things have been jumping pretty much a few weeks before that and I was like, going, oh my God, it's really early. Mm. I took a couple of big deep breaths and, you know, you just keep going out there and having a look and it is just a cracker of a season. It's been sustained, um, isn't it? It has. Yeah. Because oh. let's face it, Cam, I remember when, you know, when we were going through that, you know, decade-long drought that we sort of had to endure here in this this area. Yeah, um, things were pretty far in between. In in between, weren't they? They were a little grim. They were a little uh, grim. Uh, and you know, I don't mean to to be disrespectful of uh, the people that came on the tours those years, but we, in hindsight, <laughs> we we felt that never so much had ever been said about so little. So little, yes. Uh, yeah, there was a little bit of a Churchillian type of thing there, wasn't there? Mm. But this year it's absolutely just going off. I was up in a forest with my lovely dog Boo the other day and it was just like some kind of Willy Wonka set, you know. I was just waiting for Johnny Depp to pop out from behind a tree. Yes, because there is that. Unfortunately, the, the thing that brings out the, the Willy Wonka is the, uh, the mushroom, maybe the most one of the most poisonous that you should uh, avoid, and that's the, the red with white spot, red with white spot. Yes, the Amanita muscaria, the fly agaric, it's commonly called. Fly agaric. Fly agaric, yeah. Which uh, is the Take one... Take photos of it, but don't do anything else. Yeah, don't do anything else. And yes, you can't be waiting for Willy Wonka to, uh, to come out. Um, I would say to you, probably the one that is the most easiest for uh, amateurs, if you're just sort of getting on your, your, uh, your mushroom feet, is to, uh, is to find those orange ones, the pine mushroom. Yeah, the Lactaris deliciosus. Lactaris deliciosus. Very, very good. Um, yeah, they're, they're one of the easier ones. There's a couple of lookalikes out there, but when you have them side by side, mm -hmm. you can easily pick the difference. Yes. It's, it's always important, and I, I know you know this, Cam, that mm -hmm. when you pick your pine mushrooms, they're, 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 they look beautiful and fresh, and they've got that apricot colour, mm -hmm. and they're, they're not too big. Because you know you don't want to pick them too big because they've got uh, lots of little maggots running through them. Oh, lots of and lots that's of critters. Not so much fun. Yes. Yeah, lots of critters through the, them. So the extra unexpected protein. Yeah. Yes. No extra charge for those. Yes. And but when you pick them and they're they're sort of not too much bigger than the palm of your hand and they're all just beautiful and fresh mm. looking. Mm. It's all you know you're not going to confuse those with a, a Gymnopilus junus or a Paxillus Um 
which are the two look-alike ones that look like old, kind of yuckier pine mushrooms. If you're fussy, mm. they're the easiest ones to get right. I agree. Yes, and and the other one, um, tell me if I'm, I'm wrong, is uh, slippery jacks. Slippery jacks, yeah, they're a, another good one to, to start with. They're being a bleat. They're quite readily identifiable in a pine in forest environment. Um, and if you're just out there in, a, say, a pine plantation, you're not around other trees, mm. they're pretty much one of the only bleats that will grow there. And, you know, especially if it's been raining that morning or a heavy dew, all the slippery, slimy stuff dripping off the top of it, it's mm. kind of hard to get wrong. Mm, yeah, it is. And also the, the fact that rather than gills underneath, um, uh, which is sort of longitudinal, up and down, uh, these are sort of like, it's like a sponge underneath, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's the key characteristic of a, of a bolete. Um, so, you know, porcini mushrooms, they're sort of second, third cousins to these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a bit like any Italian family, you know, one has a falling out with the other and they're sort of distant off into there. But, and they haven't been talking you know, to each other for generations. That's right, mm. that's right. But talking of porcinis, you know, um, the last couple of years with the advent of uh, people showing off on Facebook, mm. there's porcinis in them Adelaide Hills. Crazy. Really? But like yeah. a- a- Italian porcini? Italian porcinis, they have been DNA tested. They are the real deal. And is that because someone's... How, is that occurred naturally or is that because of human intervention? What's going on there? Uh, I'd be willing to bet that somebody's nono popped in there one day. But I can't guarantee that, and hello to all our friends at the Australian Quarantine Service. Yeah, hey, uh, keep on checking those bags. Um, Now, that sort of begs a question in in the fact that um, uh, pine forests certainly weren't really that indigenous to this great um, island continent. Is that a fair thing? Oh, no, absolutely. The radiata pines are actually... uh, um, I think from, oh, forgive me if I get Somewhere the wrong else. peoples, but N- no, 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 I think they're from um, Monterey in, in in California. Oh, really? And okay. I was reading the other day that they're almost extinct over there in their natural habitat, right. but we have plantations of them everywhere over here. Yeah, and, and so it would be fair to assume that before there were these monocultures of plantations of radiata pine, we wouldn't have had pine mushrooms before that here in this country? Absolutely correct. There might have been um, the particular there, the Lactaris deliciosa probably wouldn't have been there. The the Ananita muscari, the red ones with the white dots, they would have have still been here with some of the birches and the the, um, European um, trees that were brought out when we first settled. But Mm. prior to that, no, there are... uh, I wouldn't say so, no. Oh, this is... um Okay, so we brought rabbits. Von Mueller bought blackberries. Maybe that wasn't quite a great idea, but I think the mushrooms are just fantastic, and we uh, we should kind of rejoice at that, shouldn't we? I think we should indeed. All right, well, this is a praise Jesus moment. I love that. Now, um, uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, what about – now, tell us um, – the, uh, the the pine mushrooms, what's your favourite way of preparing the said mushrooms? Look, I think um, I've been having a bit of a handmade pasta revival in my life at the moment. Oh, what a beautiful thing. So I've, I've been uh, collecting them and uh, frying them off in just some 
some onions, some garlic, parsley from the garden, mm. parmesan cheese, and tossing them through tagliatelle that we've made with a um, <sighs> bit of saffron through it as well. And, oh, saffron. And kind of stuff. Yeah. And just um, and a bit of black pepper. I was going to say the know, grind of pepper. You've got to have that. Yeah. Yes. Because they yeah. do like that. I mean, what happened? You used to be able to go to a restaurant and an incredibly good waiter or wait- good-looking waitress or waiter would come over this massive pepper grinder and give you a turn and a wink and off they were gone. But you don't see that so much these days. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just being whimsical there. Sorry. But, yeah, that's one of my favourites. The other one I was um, going to have a crack at um, when I get home next week is I was thinking about putting them through uh, a terrine. Oh, with a, a, a chicken and pork terrine and, and seeing how that comes up. That so if anyone's sounds... done that, let Cam know and I'll uh, and he'll let me know if it's worth a go. I'm just wondering if there might be a little bit too much moisture in there. You'd probably have to dry them out a bit, wouldn't you? Sort of. Yeah, fry them off, pat them yeah, down. Yeah, 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 pat them yeah. down, compress. Um, yep. I think it would. I can see it. It looks magnificent. I'm seeing all this orange in this. Yeah. Slice that you're doing, maybe a few pistachio nuts in there too. You, oh, you just read my mind. Yeah, yeah, that that, that could um, be nice. Um, the yeah. other the other thing I, I think that um, is awesome with these are the resiny herbs. So things like thyme, uh, lemon mm. thyme, maybe not oregano because that's just getting a little bit too butch. But um, yeah, certainly <laughs> thyme um, is just brilliant. And you know, I did a. Uh, I did two fry-ups, one that you, I, I spoke to you a couple of weeks ago and you said, mate, um, I hope you did some exercise after that because um, you could probably oh just hear God, your yeah. arteries hardening. Because I said, yeah, mate, what I did was I just cooked it in, um, paraphrasing, bucket loads of uh, of, uh, of butter. And you went, oh, my God. And I said, yeah, lots of thyme, bit of garlic. Um, I sautéed down some shallots. Um, the rooty ones, not the um, spring onions that New South Wales people call spring onions. But then <laughs> afterwards, I added creme fraiche, to which you went, oh, my God, Cam. Yeah. It, it I, was, I'm wondering why we didn't get an invite. I'm sorry, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> and it was, I was sort of oh, closer anyway. I was up in Gisborne uh, doing those ones. The other thing that I've noticed is amazing with uh, pine mushrooms and probably with a lot of things is just adding a little bit more glutamate, a little bit more umami, just a touch of oyster sauce. Not much. Yeah. So that it's almost sort of like, oh, it's almost imperceptible, but that that seems to go well. Yeah. No, that sounds that sounds delicious. Now, uh what are you what are you drinking with your uh with your beautiful mushroom dishes? Well, uh, we do the tours out of Muradaka State, so you know, mm. why wouldn't we be drinking a Muradaka State Pinot? Yeah, oh, good, and that's a, uh-huh. yeah, that's Kate. I returned back her her wine glass, so she should be happy with that. So, <laughs> um, so the it was a Riddell. Um, the uh, so the oh the Pinot would be just magnificent with that. Yeah, I mean, you, with the the Yanami flavors and sort of spectrum of mushrooms, you know, that just crosses over into the Pinot spectrum of flavors, and just right there in the middle, yes. beautiful sweet spot. Oh, and you've hit the sweet spot, as you always do. Um, Cam, if um, people want to uh, book for your tours, how do they do it? Uh, mushroomtours.com is where you find us, and there's a bookings page there. Just click on that and fill out the form. Mushroomtours.com. Jeez, you me. did well with that, my friend. <laughs> 22 years ago. Oh, dude. God, here you go. Mushroomtours.com. Um, this man knows what he's doing. 
it's a it's a beautiful time. And my God, you're at Mooradock, so you're going to get uh, you're going to get some some good liquid afterwards. Yes, it's it's a terrible life sometimes. Heartache and pain, heartache and suffering. It should be said, <laughs> heartache and suffering. Uh, Cam Russell, thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat with us. An absolute delight as always. May uh, may that ground stay cool, not too cold, and uh, wet enough to uh, let those things jump out of the ground. Thank you, Cam. You're too kind. Oh, pleasure, mate. All right, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Marvelous 3 Triple R FM. Across from me is a man, let's face it, he gets around. <laughs> Sometimes in a helicopter, but uh, we, won't, uh, we won't take the piss too, uh, too soon about that. Michael Hutton, welcome back. Thank you very much. It's good that you've got that um, helipad on the roof of Triple R now. It's sort of like well, I was able to get here with in, in no time flat. Jesus Christ, we only saw it. It was in the fifth page of the rider too before, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah I know. Read the fine print. Thank That's God my we, advice for you today. Otherwise, we would not have found you. How long have you been doing this gig for, this food reviewing thing? I reckon I'm closing in on two decades. Oh, really? So, yeah, I sort of started writing about the arts and then sort of got sidetracked into a bar and kind of went all went pear-shaped since then. So it's, uh, Really? Yeah, yeah. So I reckon I've been doing, yeah, probably, yeah, almost, almost 20 years. You must be happy that you got sidetracked from... I mean, look, the, the arts are great and all that, mm. you know. But, no, heli- know, no helicopters no when helicopters, I was writing about arts. Uh, no uh, super distilled products. Mm, I know. Um, it's, uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to complain about it. I do, and if you'd like me to, I can. But, oh, you know, no. This is you'll, just have the, you'll just have the entire audience going, what a wanker. Oh, my God. So I, can't, I, I think I'll just, just I, talk to my colleagues about it instead. Yeah, I'm, and, and they love talking to you about those sort of things. But... Um, You've been around. You've um, you were saying that you've been getting as well as being in town and seeing what's been happening. Should we look? Should we focus out of town first? Let's do out of town because I've yeah, been to a couple that. of interesting. You know, there's some good stuff going on out of town. I've been travelling a bit this year, and so I, I had a couple of trips to New Zealand and. Um, um, I've been South to, Island. South Island, yeah. That's where it's at. Yeah, I, I visited some friends in Auckland earlier in the year and had a couple of really good meals there, but I went down... A couple of Jaffas. A, yeah, they, yeah, I know. Yes. They're very parochial sometimes, oh, those yeah. New Zealand. But it's <laughs> funny, Auckland is... A, it, if you're looking at New Zealand, Auckland is Sydney. Oh, yeah. It yeah. is. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And the rest of the place is Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. Looking at it going, mm, oh, wankers. <laughs> yeah, bloody wankers in Auckland. <laughs> Favourite place, I've got to say, Wellington. Love that. Wellington's brilliant. I really like it. But Bro- I tell you, you know, I, I spent some time in Dunedin mm. and Where loved it. Where is Dunedin? Dunedin's sort of on the... Uh, it's the bottom left, isn't Sort it? of bottom, yeah, bottom right. Bottom sort right. Of, yeah, yeah. So... Really, like, not far from the from the end of New Zealand. So it's sort of like it's the most amazing seafood because they've got these, like, deep, cold, cold. oceans full of amazing seafoods. So, yes. Um, like, we we went out um, in Dunedin. You know, there's all the, the river and the harbour and the estuaries and stuff, and you can just, on a low tide, you can go out and you just pull these amazing cockles out of the sand like you know they're everywhere yeah and um and you can just you cook them up you know vongole and you know that sort of stuff and it's like but you, you can just go and you, know, you can get buckets and buckets and buckets of the things can you forage yeah you can totally forage forage out yeah yeah and like i was forage talking out, talking to a, a fisherman there and he said that one of the things they do is kids 
groups in Dunedin is that they, you know, they all go there and then they get a big sheet of like corrugated iron or something and build a fire and put the corrugated iron over and just chuck all the cockles on and eat those. He said, the main point is the fire, yeah, but of course. You know, there's, there's an excuse to yeah. uh, you know to do that. So, and it, you can the harbour. There's no commercial fishing fishing in Dunedin Harbour around there, but it's all recreational fishing. But you can get everything like you know, these beautiful salmon, like big salmon that people are pulling out. You know, you've got the skyscrapers and the railway behind you, and there's people on the docks pulling salmon out of the water. And and these are salmon that have worked. Yes. If you know what I mean. Gainfully yeah. employed in yeah, life. Yeah. And yeah, so free range. Free range. Mm-hmm. And yeah, okay, we're trying to make light of that, but there's a big difference in oh, that yeah. flavour, isn't there? Yeah. And big difference in the flavour of the salmon in New Zealand. In texture. Yeah, generally it's like it's very rich. Like, mm. you know, it's like salmon is a is a rich oily fish anyway. But down there I think because of the must be because of the, the um, the temperature of the water and stuff. Mm. I think they they are a very fatty, very oily, you know, delicious. But I found that you know I was eating much smaller portions of them because they were so incredibly rich. Gotcha. So. But you know, crabs watering. and God, it's yeah, happening. yeah, lobsters. And the other thing, the exciting thing that I was doing when I was down there was the opening of the bluff oyster. Oh, season. I was just thinking that, and there, bang! You've done I was it. there on the day in a seafood shop. And there were people clutching, like, you know, handfuls of 50s, just buying up as many bluff oysters as they could because it's this really limited season. It's different to the way we do it here in this country, isn't it? It no. is. Very, it very is. different. Matt's looking a little bit quizzical. Mm. Um, tell us. Go on. Bluff, bluff. Bluff oysters are a native New Zealand oyster. Of a place. Yes, they, bluff is a, it's from the bluff, I think it's bluff island is sort of mm. like is where, that's how they get, they've got another name, but like that's, they're, they're known as bluff oysters. Mm. And they're a, like a flat, big flat oyster that just sits on the sand. So they're just, they're just taken up off the sand. Like a French bellon. Yes. And yes. they're incredibly difficult to get open, apparently. Like they're sort of like, you know, you almost sort of hammer and, um, screwdriver. Oh, sort really? Of, sort of thing. You have to be really So it's not dumb. just rah, 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 with yeah. all the oysters. So like. a lot of them, they sell them in jar, like pre-shucked and stuff and I was a little bit you going, what are you talking about? about that. It's like, oh. oh my god, you don't oh. pre-shock your oysters. Yes, and where's how, my helicopter? How dreadful. Mm. And um, and so the guy like gave me this like you know plastic container of bluff oysters and everything. I was like, yeah, okay, I'll taste it. Whatever. And just kind of whacked this oyster in my mouth and I was like, you know, the oh really? You know, like, you know it was Nin- amazing. 1950s religious delicious. movie. Yes, yeah, yeah. okay. Delicious. And they're a really short season. And, um, Why is it a short season? Because this is to keep it, it, yeah, it, to, to preserve the to preserve the stocks of mm-hmm. them, um, but also they only sort of I think there's only sort of a breeding season you know for a certain amount. But they there's a quota, and so the, say so the season is like three or four months long, mm. um, and uh, they they can't. You know, but if they've if they've hit their quota before the end of the season, then they have to um, they have to stop fishing. Oh, really? So hence the people with handfuls of fifty dollars notes oh, clamouring to get the oysters. Get yeah. it, getting yeah. quick. So, and how do they eat them? They just have them raw and raw. Yeah, a little like bit of lemon, maybe lemon, you know? and sometimes they discover sort of Tabasco sauce or yeah, anything. Yeah, a little, like bit, that? A little oh, bit of that. So there's, there's a couple of like there's a couple of very good seafood restaurants in Dunedin. There's one called Plato's, which um, is quite hilarious, but um, but they do beautiful fish, like you know some you know, and don't trick it up too much. You know, yes. they just let the fish speak for itself. Because why wouldn't you when you've got such good quality stuff? Yeah, uh, I guess so. Okay, but the other area that yes. is around there, of course, is uh, Otago. Central Otago. Yeah. Home of maybe the greatest pinots maybe in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, you know, people, you can you can agree or disagree with that. It's sort of like there, there's some beautiful ones there. I did drink a lot of quite stalky 
Pinot, which is what does that mean? Kind of almost like quite a stringent, you know, because it's a whole bunch of pressed and stuff. It's sort of like an it, it's a style of Pinot, <laughs> but it's um it's not really my style. But don't, don't get me wrong, there's some beautiful ones there as well. My ones, if you want to just where I'm sitting with on the spectrum. Mm. Not, um, yeah. Uh, uh, the spectrum is um, funky, barnyard, dirty, mm. nasty, big fruit mm. Pinot. We're still talking about Pinot Noir. Now. We are, yeah, <laughs> sorry. No, I'm not, I, haven't got, I haven't digressed into yeah. something else. Um, but no, that's. That's what I think they do really, really well. Felton Road, Martinborough. Felton Road is great. And there's a, there's a place called Carrick um, yes. that are doing some really interesting stuff, like, you know, some straight Pinot, but also doing a bit of the, you know, working into the natural stuff. But the thing that I loved about Central Otago was that the wineries there, almost without fail, they're all sort of going, they're organic or biodynamic. Yeah. Um, you know, that's sort of, it's just a thing. Like, admittedly, it's easier there because of the climate, because it's sort of, it's like cold desert. And so they don't have to worry about spraying for a lot of, you know, the, the sort of desert. molds and yeah, things right. like that. Yeah. So um, it's a spectacular landscape, but it's really quite rugged. It used to be sort of gold mining. And it's like the fjords, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Scotland or the fjords and, and... Yeah, yeah. But even sort of more like there's moments where it even, because of the gold mining erosion and stuff, it even looks like... Um, you know, you can look at it sometimes and go, I feel like I'm in Arizona. Yeah. You know, it's sort of that that really barren. Except I'm wearing a Parker brew. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And a plastic tiki. So, <laughs> so, so Death Valley with wool. Yes. Yeah, right. And wine. And got it. All right. Now, northeast of Victoria, you've been around there. Yeah, I popped up there a couple of weeks ago. I was there, luckily, for Peak Leaf. So it was the leaves. Oh, Peak were, Leaf. Yeah, we got, got into Bright. And oh, the, the leaves were kind of just tinged on the edges with oh. yellow. By the time we left two days later, it had gone full on. It was like, you know, with red and yellow and orange and, you know, spectacular. It was beautiful. Oh, yeah, it looked like, you know, it was almost tacky. It was so beautiful. Yeah, so, I made know, that about sort of like Yeah, it sort of like put that on black velvet. Nobody would believe it. No. So, um, yeah, forget it. Yeah. But, but, um, are there good places to eat around there? Yeah. Yeah, some really, really interesting stuff going on up there. I was super excited to be in up Bright. there. In Bright. In Bright. Um, in Bright, they've got like, you know, you're looking at, they've got a really good coffee roaster there. They've got um, a really good brewery. They've got a distillery. They've got chocolate a up there. Chocolate, there mate. The chocolate yeah, yeah. is really great. Like, yes. he's, he's like a really old school artisan chocolate maker. They, I met that too. Their main thing is um, sort of single origin chocolate bars. So there's one yes. from Ecuador and there's one from the Dominican Republic, and mm-hmm. yeah, really nice. So, um, so that, that sounds good. And and who was who was the Italian woman that was cooking up there that was incredible in Brighton? Simone? Simone, yeah, yeah. That's, but that's closed. Yeah, okay. they've, they've lost a couple. That's a, that's one thing. They've lost a couple of restaurants up there. Tani Eat and Drink has gone, with, mm. but that's because the owners they've they've just they're starting up their distillery. And they've also got a restaurant up at Hotham, Dinner Plain, or no, Hotham, yeah. um, that they've got in business with Michael Ryan from Providence in Beechworth. Oh, okay. Um, so it's they're, good they're sort of, yeah, but here, they're just about to go into There's this new thing that's going on. The guy that owns the coffee roastery is teaming up with Hamish from um, the gin, and they're going to do a big thing in, in town where it's going to be a coffee roastery. And then. Um, they're going to uh, have a bit of food there, sort of like a small, sort of almost sort of Japanese tapas sort of thing. So going. I, I guess the thing is, it, it's it's a really valid destination. It's one of those things that it's going to take you a little while to get up there, so it's probably a great place to linger somewhat. Yeah, it's like it's 
two and a half hours, so sort of to get to some places. So, you know, you can, if you really wanted to flog yourself, do it in a day. But it's like mm. it, there, there's some nice places to stay up there, mm. mainly sort of self-contained. It's not, there's not a lot of hotel action on or anything like that. But, mm. um, but you know, things like, you know, the King Valley with all the Prosecco stuff that's going on in there with the, yeah. the Delzottos and the Pizzinis and, and Chris Mont and those sort of – and even Brown Brothers are doing some interesting stuff. I mean, that's a great drive in itself, just getting so, And so beautiful. Not much time left, Michael, and I just want to bring you back to Melbourne. Yes. It's like asking to pick a favourite child, but have you got a favourite dish at the moment that you just, um, you're loving? Mm. Place, dish, drink? Yeah, well, you know, all of the above, but um, there's mm. a new, like speaking of North East Victoria, there's a new place that's opened up in Collingwood in Cambridge Street called Project 49. Yes. Which is um, a couple of people that have Project 49 in Beechworth, and they also make a Project 49 Chardonnay. It's Rocco Esposito. He used to be um, head of wine at Vudemont for a while, and Ooh. he had Mason's Food and Wine Ooh. in Beechworth. Yeah. So they've opened up a new place in Collingwood, and uh, they do a fantastic um, mushroom and chestnut ravioli, all and all oh. of the ingredients are from um, from Beechworth. With a rich umami sort of kind of sauce around it. You'd, no, uh, uh, burnt, burnt butter. No, they're, no. Do, they're doing a porcini brodo. Oh, okay, mm. boom. Yeah, it's snap, absolutely gorgeous. So um, run, don't walk. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, Michael, thank you for. Uh, uh, for joining us, um, I think someone said that the uh, the helicopter is refueled. The uh, the engine has started, and you can uh, ascend to the rooftop. And right, as long as they've dry cleaned my knee rug. Yes, that's all no, that no, I'm done, done, done. It's all right. Great. It's okay. We've done it. Michael, uh, a joy as always. Thank you for taking the time nice to, to uh, chat. Cam, as now, uh, if uh, if there was uh, something about the knee rug, this time, I think Justin uh, uh, Metcalf is coming. He's going to make us a. Espresso martini. No, just the thing for a Sunday, really. Absolutely. Uh, Matt, you've got some music? Some music. Shall we have a listen? I think we should. Justin Metcalf, what a delight it is to see you in the studio. As always, Cam, as always. What have you been up to? Uh, well, you've, you've the been coffee di- thing. You've been... Uh, <laughs> but you've not so much been digressing. You've uh, You've been growing and you've... Uh, You've discovered alcohol and coffee together <laughs> at last. Well, I had discovered them long ago, yeah, but, but just thinking about combining them I worked both, out a way to get these things together. I know. How, how exciting is that? And um, for one of the, dare I say, one of the spookiest drinks um, around, I reckon, the, the espresso martini. Wow. Do you know the history of the espresso martini? We we have discussed that, but it is a Kate great, Moss, isn't it? Great story, yes. Yeah, Kate Moss and the uh, uh, recently deceased uh, gentleman in February this year. Which one? The, the guy that the bartender that yes. developed it? Yes. Indeed. Really? How did he yes. die? Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure, but he did okay. pass away. He's this gone. Year. He has um, gone. Yes. Uh, basically, the story is, and this this does have a language warning. So if you've got the kids, maybe just um, throw them out the window and put them in the backyard. Um, <laughs> again. Again. <laughs> Oh, Dad, stop doing that through the window. Um, uh, basically, Kate came up and said, look, I need a drink that is going to... Wake me up. Wake and me up and then fuck me up. Yep, correct. Yeah, was yes. uh, the thing, and the guy went, I know. Bang. And um, created that, and that was probably created, what, in the late 80s or yes, something like that? it's a long time ago. Long time, yes. in, in London. So yes, correct, you've in Soho. Out, and, and you've worked out a way to bottle this thing. And it's ready to drink, Cam. How's that? So you chill it. 
uh, uh, since it you challenges it. just come yes. here. You shake it. You shake it. And then you pour it. And you pour it. And uh, and it's a glorious thing. We're we, we going to have a, a little taste of it? I think we will, just a little later, yes. Oh, okay. Oh, oh you can it, have it Make now. me wait. No, 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 make, make me wait. <laughs> no, no, let's uh, talk about something else too. All right, Maybe. no, that, that sounds good. Um, uh, coffee, it's uh, it's an obsession in this town. Um, someone told me the, the amount that uh, Melburnians go through a week and it's just tons and tons and tons of coffee a week. And especially, um, you know, with... The invention, or I suppose progression with the domestic coffee machines as well, it's uh, that's also lifted uh, the consumption up very yeah, much. Because, you know, in, in a way, we Australians are sort of uh, labouring under a misapprehension to say that we're all sort of coffee experts, but uh, but the the majority, or it has been the case, the majority of coffee that Australians do have is instant coffee still. Still over 50% of the market. Still over 50? Correct. Okay. So um, the, the grounds have been happening. Um, we do have, it seems to be another wave of coffee machines has sort of hit the market, is that... Yeah, I think the um, invention of making it a lot more simpler. Refined. Uh, yeah, it's been for people to um, create the same experience that they have in a cafe at home. Yeah. And so the equipment has obviously um, improved somewhat. And so that budding barista at home who um, stands around in the morning can actually make something, yeah. maybe even sometimes possibly better yeah. than the local cafe. Because of the equipment. Because of the integrated circuits behind Correct. the panel. Correct. Because um, I've, got a, I've got a machine. Um, it, it delights me and yet confounds me in the, in the same time because I have a, uh, a machine. It's sort of semi-commercial. It's got a Faima head, um, but it's only got one boiler, right? right? So the thing is what happens is that you, you do the milk. Yes. And so you bring up this thing and, and the head's... Just you can't touch it because it's just been heated up. So then you have to cool down the head. Yes. So you you turn off the, the one of the buttons and then it goes. <laughs> that's the water coming out because it's so hot. It is vaporizing, and then you've got to somehow work out that you want to get to around about ninety four degrees. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And there's no pre infusing. Anyway, it's super analog. Yes. And a lot of that has been taken away, hasn't it? Correct. Yeah. So now you have uh, domestic machines that have separate boilers, and those boilers can <laughs> dream of that. obviously um, I dream of that. <laughs> <laughs> create your steam, and then yeah. the second part of that boiler system so, so actually controls the temperature yeah. in which the water flows through your beautifully ground coffee. And not only that, it's all about the, the PSI as well, which is another sort of thing that we've seen. I think the first ones that I was aware of was the, the Slayer system that came through a while ago now where you pre-infuse the, the grounds at a lower pressure and then it's yeah, a two ramp stage it, thing. Yeah, then ramp it up, ramp and it then up. the uh, experimentation it. of this is that you can uh, what you call pump surf. You can surf the pump surf. Yeah, yeah. So you can actually surf the. I've never uh, heard those two pressure. words together. <laughs> yes, how's that? Pump surf. <laughs> that sounds kind of naughty. Yeah, yeah it you does. Pump surf. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so then yeah, what happens? Yeah, so basically, what what it is is that you can start your pre-infusion with uh, you know three bar of pressure and then ramp it up to ramp it up. You know seven or eight or nine bar and then just drop it down in the latter part of your extraction. So you can just basically just surf that to get 
a better or a different or a fuller bodied coffee or a yeah. you, know, you know real real nuanced stuff. But but getting back to it, you can still be sort of half asleep or hungover or just waking Correct. up and all you're doing Correct. is pushing a button and it's again the IC the integrated yeah. the circuitry behind the the panel can, that's doing do all, all this all stuff for you. you. Yeah, and you can pre-program that and. And I suppose as a barista, yeah. um, you get a little nervous about equipment like that because it's taking away the skill. Well, it's taking away the magic too. Correct. It yeah. is. And the but, theatre and everything. But unfortunately, no, but on, on the other hand, it's bringing in consistency. At and a price, it has to be said. And do you, do you, have you got to be a millionaire to buy these things? Uh, yes, you do. Have to have <laughs> a oh, fair yeah, amount right, of money. Yeah, yeah, yes, right, yeah. you do. Yes. Um, you know, again... Depending, everything everything but is based on you know I think three three phases as a as a consumer. What are you going to use that piece of equipment for? How often are you going to use it? Yeah. And what's your budget? Yeah. And so the, the cold hard reality is that you know you can get something for sixty dollars and then you can get something for three thousand dollars. So it really depends on what Ooh, you sorry folks yeah, yeah what you want to and how often you use it which is really important because you got to weigh up if you spend three grand on a machine you want to be using that quite a fair bit. Well, my machine that I use, I use every day. Yeah. I have one cup of coffee a day. Yes. That's that's enough for me. Plus, yeah. if I OD on coffee, it's really ugly. Because um, I think I'm going to die. But right. um, <laughs> I do. Like, ah. um, but, yeah, so so I'm using it every day. So, um, I, I don't know. It, it, it seems like a fairly, I don't know, about three grand, though. Jeez. Not made of money. Well, it depends on how often you have people around on a weekend. You may yeah, have how much you want dinner to... parties and, yeah. you know, you want to throw the, you know... Throw... I forgot for anybody. Yes. I want some You can make all sorts of different oh, beverages out yeah. of that machine. Yes. Yes. So um, would you would you, recomm- would you recommend uh, again, I always... We haven't have, really defined I know, them, have well, we? we? We're sort of I mean, dancing around. <clears throat> it depends. Again, as I say, one of the things that you need to really establish is that if it's espresso, if it's mm. espresso machines or espresso-type coffee you want to, to use, yeah. um, which most people here in Melbourne will, yes. um, you, you're looking at something around the 350 onwards mark. So you mm. can get something half decent. Yeah, um, two boilers? Uh, well, Ooh, that's where yeah. you're pushing hey, it up hey, to about hey, the six, hey. seven hundred dollar for, okay. for yeah. a two boiler. But then the two boilers also have an integrated grinding package with it, so you don't have to have a separate grinder. That will do it for you as well. Yeah. So then you can just push one button, it grinds. You can tamp. Well, it I just feel like I'm not even yeah. part of it. It's like, yeah. hello, yeah. remember yeah. me? Yes, yes. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's probably that's just a stage too far for me. Let's. Um, all right. So, um, do your research is is probably the go. Correct. Um, but in the meantime, espresso martini in a bottle. Um, handsome packaging. I've got yes. to say, Thank Justin. You. And it's got your name on it. Yes. And why not, World Barista Judge? Because yep. that's your gig, and yep. it has been because we've been. We've been speaking together for a long time. We now, have, we? haven't we? All right, let's let's pour some of this out and have a bit of a taste of it. Normally, you would have to shake the uh, the goodness. No, not the goodness. I'm just trying not to swear. Shake it hard. Yeah, shake yes. it hard. So, yes. typically, this bottle, which is 300 ml, is two glasses worth. So, pour half and half into the product, mm. and then close your lid back up and give it a really good hard shake. And when you pour the remainder back into the both, you've got your big thick head of crema. Aren't you clever? Yes. So, you so don't it's even got nitrogen-infused product. What? Nitrogen-infused. So, that's what gives you that, that uh, really nice end result. Wait, wait, wait. 
secret. It's like the, yes. The boffins. Yes. You had a guy with a clipboard and a yes. lab coat. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He's worked his yeah. way in nitrogen infused. Yeah. How much are these things and where do we get them? Uh, retail is thirteen ninety, which is for two full 150 mils. Six yep. bucks each. Yeah. At the moment, uh, we're selling them online at Get Wines Direct, yeah. which I'm hoping that they'll be certainly in one of those big retail stores. How come Dan Murphy's soon. hasn't bought them? Well, they're come about on. to, Cam. Oh, about okay. to. He's going to make <laughs> them an offer they can't <laughs> refuse. <laughs> so there we go. All right. Well, we're going to leave it. Um, look out for them. Uh, Justin Metcalf, just do that as a search thing. You'll find you. Thanks, as always, for coming Thank in. Thank you very much. It's always a delight to me. see yeah, you. Great to see you. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right, Matty, should we pull the pin? I think we should. We might have a uh, just a quick martini before we go. What which a is great a nice idea. thing to be able to say. What could possibly on a go Sunday. wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks again, Justin. Thank you very much. And thank you, listeners. See you next week. You have been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.